to the Golfing Mind, the podcast which looks at the game of golf in general. But the mental game of golf in particular, it's that aspect of the game that drives many of us uh, to distraction when we have a, sh a shot, a simple shot, and we somehow have this premonition that we're going to mess it up. And then we do mess it up. And then we say the magical words, I knew I was going to do that. Um, how do we prevent that happening? You rarely hear professional golfers on a golf course. In fact, I've never listened to on course commentary and heard a golfer say, I knew I was going to do that. They're, they're surprised. They're stunned, shocked, in a state of disbelief. But they don't say, I expected to do that. I knew that was going to happen. But the amateur golfer or the average golfer, we have a habit of falling into that trap. And the reason for that is because it's about belief. And belief is often based on experience. So if you go and spend two hours a day on the range practicing um, your bunker shots for uh, two weeks, at the end of two weeks, you're going to be pretty good coming out the bunker. So therefore, you will be uh, very, very surprised were you not to get a ball out of the bunker in an actual match. And if you didn't, you would be surprised. You wouldn't say, oh, I knew I was going to do that. So from my point of view, the mental game is trying to understand those simple dynamics and what we can do to fix them, uh, how we can do it, about, get around it. And I think one of the ways to do that is to always be sure when you're playing golf, you're in sort of a, in your comfort zone. You know, we talk about the comfort zone uh, as being a place where you feel in control and safe. And the discomfort zone is well, the opposite of that when you're not feeling very secure and confident about what lies ahead of you. Bruce Lee, the martial artist, said, the less tension and effort, the faster and more powerful you will be. And I think um, when we get tense, we tighten up. And when we tighten up, we get stiff and we, we lose fluidity. But we lose not only fluidity mechanically, we lose fluidity mentally because we're now holding on to a negative thought or a belief so what i encourage my clients to do and i would encourage you to do and i know i've said this a few times and when you say something repeatedly people go yeah i know it i know that but it doesn't mean they're applying it it is and i think a great a great um, component uh, is positivity and if you look at players like victor hovland who i'm a huge fan of He's always smiling. Now, the evidence um, from the psychologists and physiologists say that, you know, when you smile, you're using a set of muscles in your face. And the association of those muscles whilst in the smiling position is that the feedback to your brain is, oh, I'm safe, I'm calm, I'm laughing, I'm happy, I'm enjoying, I'm, you know, things are good. So when you put a smile on your face, it's normally because all of the previously mentioned things are happening. You feel relaxed, confident, safe, all those good things. Um, when you frown or get a bit stony faced, it's often because you're facing a threat. You're feeling tense, a bit anxious. I mean, I know if you walk into a waiting room uh, where people are waiting to go in for an interview, they're not smiling. Uh, rarely, rarely are people even looking what I would call relaxed. There's a slight tension in their faces. So what 
the thinking was many many years ago was if you just put a smile on your face and put the muscles in your face into the smiling position then the feedback to your mind is well when the muscles are in this position i must be relaxed and feeling good and feeling confident so i've often told my clients and i do it myself as i i make a point of smiling you know i'm not like an inane grin like some demented uh, lunatic but you know i make sure i'm not scowling i'm sort of my my mouth is turned up at the edges and i'm sort of uh, relaxed now it does help a little it look it's not going to make you a great player but it's going to loosen you up and being loose and being in that comfort zone is is very very important and i, I think it was tom watson um the player who said that you know victory comes after repeated losses and he was he was stating the fact that's often ultra overlooked is that we learn to succeed through a process of failure and i think what happens is when you fail is you um i use this sort of generic you i could say we um uh, we associate with that failure you know so i i say to people are what kind of putter are you and they go i'm a bad putter i'm a terrible putter what kind of a driver of the ball are you? Oh, I'm awful. I'm a terrible driver. Now, what we say, you know, there's an old saying, where the thinking goes, the energy flows. So if you're thinking, I'm a bad player, I'm a terrible putter, I'm an awful wedge player, then the energy you're giving to yourself is going to be that negative energy that will manifest itself in bad shots because we... We play to the level of our expectation. And this has been seen time and time again. There was a very famous experiment done where they got fleas in a jar. So they put the fleas, the jumping fleas in a jar, and they all jumped out the jar. So to stop them jumping out the jar, they put a glass lid on top of the jar. So these fleas would jump up and bang their heads. Or I'm assuming they have heads. Uh, they bang their heads and land, and they go, ow, that was sore. And they don't jump quite so high. So after about you know, five or ten minutes of observing this, you realize that the fleas were jumping, but not so high as to hit the top of the lid. They then took the lid away, and you may be able to second guess how the story ends. The fleas didn't jump any higher than they had been jumping when the lid was in place. That had become their limiting belief. And as golfers, you know, we are in a comfort zone and we have our own limiting belief. We believe that there are shots we can't make. We believe we won't sink the puck. We believe we'll probably miss the fairway. We believe. Now, even though we may say words to the contrary, what we say and what we believe are not necessarily the same thing. You know, and I, when I tell people this, they go, no, 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 no. If you say it, you believe it. No, no, no. I think it's quite the opposite. I think until you believe something and you say it with conviction, or you don't even need to say it at all because you believe, then you're always going to be second guessing. So when I try and work with people, uh, the first thing I want to do is to help them change their beliefs about themselves. Because uh, the way we see ourselves is rarely as favorable as uh, other people might see us, especially when it comes to, to sport. I'm not talking about business and life in general, because there are some people that put on a very good false front. But from in the golf world, I think a lot of people have, 
you know, they just lack that that belief, and it's it's costing them five, six, seven shots around. In the professional world, I also believe the professional golfers who don't believe they'll ever win a major. Now, I don't often say this. I think a lot of professional golfers hope they'll have the opportunity to win a major. But deep down inside, if you said, do you believe you will win a major? They'd say, mm, probably not. If you said, do you believe you have the ability to win a major? They would all say, yes, of course. And the reality is they do. Of course they do. But And when you look at the great players... What do they have in common? Well, I'll tell you what it, what it wasn't. It wasn't self-doubt. They didn't go through life full of self-doubt. They had this supreme confidence. I mean, Nicholas famously would say that when he stepped in the first tee, he already felt one up on his opponent, or one under par for the round. That was the level of his belief in his ability to play well and to dominate the opposition. We can go through lots of other names. I mean, Tiger Woods... Had I read an extraordinary article the other day, and they said that when Tiger was in his prime, that the rest of the field was one shot per player worse than they would be if he wasn't in the field. So the gap between him when he would win, the gap between him and the rest of the field, he already had gained a shot by his physical presence by being there. Because you know, Ernie always said most players hope to get to the fourth or fifth hole, maybe be one under, or have their game warmed up. Tiger started off one under in his mind and he started he started off and that belief didn't just come through sort of saying it it came through a level of dedicated practice and um, you know it's interesting when you look at footage of him as a four-year-old or Rory McIlroy these were young fellows with just fantastic uh, hand-eye coordination but also an extraordinary work ethic I mean we can't imagine that, you know, uh, what they put in to get where they are today. So, and anyone who's achieved that level of sort of success. So when I mentioned the players at Nicholas and Woods, I could also look at Ben Hogan, Bobby Jones, Sam Snead, Byron Nelson, Tony Lima, uh, Miller, uh, hugely, hugely uh, confident to the level of almost arrogance. And, um, Billy Casper, extraordinarily uh, brilliant putter. Uh, if you ever get a chance to read about his putting, it was just otherworldly. But they believed they'd make the putt. Uh, and going back to the Open Championship, and I talked about this before, Cameron Smith said, if I can get the ball within 12 feet, I think I've got a very, very good chance of making the putt. You need a level of belief that is just wonderful. So what I'd like you to leave you with today is this idea that, you know, don't be in a discomfort zone. When you're on the course, try to be comfortable. Believe rather than say. So you don't even need to say it. Just believe that you can make the shot. And if you don't believe you can make the shot, don't take the shot. Uh, when you're feeling a bit tense, smile. You know, force yourself to smile. Channel your inner Victor Hovland. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a great help. Anyway, that's my thoughts for this week. And I hope you're playing good golf wherever you are. Don't forget to practice. Uh, if you're serious about learning more about the mental game of golf, please visit seagergolf.com where there are a number of online options to learn or to work with me directly one-to-one -one if you are uh, a professional or an elite amateur um, or in fact you're an amateur who's just very, very keen to work with me one-to-one. -one. Uh, it may be possible um, if my schedule allows. So there we go. Um, that's it. 
Have a wonderful week and until we meet again, take care.